0: Hello, I'm Chris Houchin, the FDA account leader for Guidehouse. Welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. Today we'll be talking to Dr. Peter Marks, the director of FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, CBER. In his role, Dr. Marks leads an incredible team of researchers, regulatory professionals, uh, and others that are facilitating the development and availability of safe and effective medical products. We're going to hear Dr. Marx's insights on how data analytics, generative AI, and other tools are used by CBER and industry throughout the drug development, review, approval, and post-market surveillance processes. Welcome, Dr. Marks, and thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me
0: today. Dr. Marks, the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, uh, CEDAR, recently released a discussion paper about artificial intelligence in drug manufacturing. Uh, That also has implications for manufacturers of biologic products, which, which you oversee, and one of the high level goals of that paper was to recognize the role that AI plays in manufacturing products so that one, FDA can help industry embrace technology enablers like advanced process control in their manufacturing. And two, FDA can be ready to review products that are manufactured incorporating AI. Uh, Sieber's uh, RFI released in September of 2023 to industry also solicited some input on that topic. Uh, and it's everybody's favorite topic. Uh, knowing how quickly things can change in this arena, just a couple of questions related to AI. Uh, the first question is, is the FDA open to leveraging AI in the context of regulatory approval, or are they open to sponsors leveraging foundational models or large language models in the development
1: of therapies? Yeah, so the the, the agency is clearly open uh, to the use of AI. I think particularly if it's clear that the AI has been used according to best practices. Um, and we're seeing uh, AI uh, being used now in everything from manufacturing out through uh, post-market surveillance. Um, in fact, we're doing uh, some uh, of this work using uh, AI ourselves. In manufacturing for, particularly in the biologics product area, um, biologics are very complex products to manufacture. They're also often manufactured with multiple critical quality attributes being checked as they're manufactured. And and as you go along, there's measurement of temperature, pressures, um, cell counts, all sorts of things. And it's possible uh, using AI uh, to be able to feed those in and uh, actually get process improvement. Um, so AI may be an important part of process control and biologics manufacture. And then out in the back end, uh, it is very efficient at at going through and looking at safety reports and helping to flag uh, important issues. And all in between, there are all sorts of ways that could be used potentially uh, to analyze data. Uh, there, it, one just has to be careful that one is always using best practices and not uh, essentially um, having uh, suboptimal outputs uh, from uh, suboptimally used uh, artificial intelligence
0: sure and, and and yeah that that's my second question i guess related to ai you know what, fda I, I know fda and hhs uh, and other government agencies all have task forces and 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 leaders looking at, at ai to you know avoid that that bad side uh whether that's you know increasing the explainability avoiding bias ensuring data integrity integrity and data security uh, so is that what is FDA doing to prepare for uh, for the industry's adoption in in terms of that other side?
1: So we spend a we we now have various AI committees around uh, the agency. We in our center have our own AI committee um really trying to uh, look at what we will look to for best practices, um, both for our own use internally and for. Uh, when uh, submissions come in, uh, we've been in this area. You know, high performance computing is something not foreign to us because we've been doing it for over a decade now. Uh, the use of AI has, been, you know, something we explored uh, a number of years, started to explore a number of years ago um, uh, with adverse event reporting. So um, I think we'll, you'll, you'll see us try to uh, look to make sure we articulate what we think be- best practices are. Um, and I'm sure we're going to evolve over time because AI is evolving remarkably rapidly.
0: Yeah, by the end of this podcast, it might be completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we we see the the these emerging technologies and and you know all of the advancements that are happening in industry and and the the reaction that FDA has to in some cases react to in some cases drive uh, that that emergence of new technologies. Um, and particularly for those products, you know, in your area, treating rare diseases. Uh, A lot of focus has been given to the challenges that those new technologies and analytics tools bring to the review process. As you look to 2024 and beyond, what should we expect to see between CBER and industry as far as discussions and partnerships to increase communications on these frontier topics?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think between... Uh, pilot, various pilot programs that we'll be running, um, workshops. Uh, I think uh, any number of things uh, will hopefully um, lead to improvement here. I think for, uh, for us, for, uh, for 2024, um, we are headed into a time where the, the center is trying to be ever more patient-centric in its focus, and uh, trying to work with sponsors who are trying to get products out there uh, to the benefit of patients. Uh, and so I think we will try to do our best uh, to improve communications. I think that runs everywhere from our standard communications doing it better um, to trying pilot programs like the START pilot, where we will, um, uh, for rare diseases, uh, for a couple of programs, uh, provide essentially ongoing communication as needed uh, during the development process. Um, uh, to the workshops that we intend to hold on, you know, uh, how we can uh, better interact uh, with, uh, with industry in this manner. I think it, it's clear that, you know, the, the communications aspect of, of things uh, is really critical, uh, especially for the small companies that tend to be uh, involved in gene therapy, uh, and cell therapy development, but to be honest, the large companies benefit from it as well, right? Um, it reduces regulatory uncertainty. I think this is the 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 whole issue is we always hear about. Well, we want regulatory uncertainty reduced. Well, um, you can do that with guidance, but the the truth is, uh, more so than with formal things like guidance, uh, we can do it even better um, by just good informal communication. And when appropriate, formal meetings um, uh, to uh, move things forward. Oh,
0: yeah, that, that's great! And I think just seeing you know you out there engaging industry, you and, and your your colleagues, obviously uh, Dr. Verdun leading uh, OTP and others within CBER, the willingness to engage is is really impressive. And I, I know that you want to hear from industry to uh, to to help them to the extent you can, while also acknowledging your regulatory responsibilities. So that, that's great. And uh, last, last but not least, and then this is a big one, uh, is your opinion, what are the most exciting developments on the horizon for data-driven healthcare? And how can stakeholders prepare for the potential opportunities and challenges that those uh, developments bring?
1: Yeah, so I, I think data-driven healthcare uh, in our world uh, will increasingly be the application of uh, platform-based gene therapies. And I think we're just today with the uh, approval of the first uh, CRISPR-Cas9 genome-edited cell-based gene therapy, um, I think is just the beginning of a place where we'll start to increasingly see uh, platforms um, of gene therapy where we will be collecting data uh, from uh, each individual patient towards uh, uh, trying to understand whether a given platform uh, uh, can uh, be approved for a given indication. So I think... Um, We will be working, I think, quite diligently, I think this is what's really exciting, uh, to figure out ways to most efficiently um, help these novel platforms be applied to help the maximum number of people um, uh, with the least burden getting there. Uh, Again, I think the efficiency of the process is important. Um, uh, Our job, obviously, is to make sure that products are high quality, safe, and effective. Um, uh, but I think trying to do so uh, in a manner that um, uh, is as streamlined as possible uh, can help reduce costs, and hopefully, reducing costs then improves access. Um, ultimately, um, so uh, I think that's that's where you'll see us focus.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's great and, and and very exciting. I mean, good. Nice coincidence that we're talking today on the on the heels of that approval. So that, that's just a great example of one of the exciting developments uh, in, in, in recent years. Uh, well, thank you for your time today, Dr. Marks. It's certainly uh, an exciting time for FDA, the industry, and the public as we continue to push what's possible with uh, to speed innovations that make medical products more effective, safer, and more affordable. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, everyone, please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews uh, and have a good day. Thanks very much.